0: Hi. Welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. Witness. And that's what I want to talk to us about today. Witnessing. Now I know immediately when I say the word witnessing, you know, a lot of people get, get silent. Uh, but I want you to know that, you no know, witnessing is, is amazing. Witnessing is not only something that all of us should do, it's something that all of us can do. And I want through today's message to help us to fall in love with witnessing again. Because for far too long, we've relegated witnessing evangelism to the evangelists or to those of us who we think are more anointed, you know, uh, more intellectual, etc. But I want us as a church to fall in love with becoming a witness for God again. It is doable. Amen? So if you're taking down notes The topic for today's message is called Good Witness. And we're going to read from Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Luke 19, 1 to 10. And this is one of my favorite scriptures and one of my favorite encounters of Jesus with the lost. And uh, we're going to read it and then we're going to unpack it. And I hope that it will bless you and help you fall in love We're telling people about Christ again. Amen? Before that, would you allow me to pray? Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing uh, in our church. And God, we want to be a healthy church. We want to be a growing church. We want to be a soul-winning church. God, uh, many times they said that uh, a church that's too busy to reach the lost is just too busy. And we definitely don't want to be a church that's busy for busy sake. If we are to be busy, we want to be busy building your kingdom. So God, we pray, and would you bless the Word, the Scriptures that we're about to read. Let it come alive as we read it. And help us to understand. Help us to fall in love with your Word. Lord, we're not here for more information. We're here for transformation. Would you allow your Word to jump out of the pages of the Bibles we're reading from and transform us from the inside out. Help us not just to be listeners of the Word, but help us to be doers of the Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Luke chapter 19 verse 1 to 10. If you're there, can I hear a good amen? Amen. Fantastic. Let's, let's go. Let's read together. Then Jesus entered And passed through Jericho, and now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. How do you know that when the Bible says you are rich, you're rich? Amen. So you know this guy is rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they being the crowd, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner? Then Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I had taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because He also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Amen. This is a very powerful Scripture a record of Jesus reaching the lost. And in the Bible, you hear many times of Jesus preaching and are people getting healed, are people getting saved, people following Him. Or sometimes you don't hear of what happens to them after that, right? You know, the, the ten lepers came and uh, all were healed but only one came back. And you wonder what happened to the, to the other nine others. But here you have not only somebody giving his life to Jesus, somebody repenting. And this is real repentance, amen? This is not just a, a sorry, you know? you know what I'm saying? How many of you have younger siblings before? And, uh, you know, and they, 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 they mess up your room, right? And all girls, you know, you have a younger sister, they went in there and they try on your shoes, they try on your dresses, try on your lipstick, and then you came back and go like, what's this? And then, and then all they can do is like, oh, sorry, but they don't mean it. You know, they're going to wait. They're waiting for the next time you leave the house for them to try again. Or maybe it was you, and, and uh, you did it, you know, to somebody else. You know, maybe uh, your older brother has a gadget, has a computer, has a, has a PlayStation, or something that, or a drone that you go like, I want to play, I want to play. And then when you break it, you just say sorry. But you're just, you don't mean it. But this person meant it. Zacchaeus meant it. And, and, and this is an amazing portion of Scripture because, and I believe God allowed this because God wanted us to see not just one life that was saved, but what happens when a life is truly repentant? What happens when someone truly meets Jesus? You see, many times we are nervous to witness, thinking that, oh, it doesn't make a difference. But here, the Bible is reminding us that one life does make a difference. You know, and so let's start with Zacchaeus. What happened to him? He gave half his possessions away. He was a tax collector. I mean, this this is, you know, for those of you who are not yet working, write down as much notes as you can. But I believe that this is a very powerful word that has already come alive for all of us who are already working and are paying taxes. You know, how we know that for those of us who are working, the young adults, one of the dirtiest words you can spell out is HMRC. And just in case you don't know, it's called Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Basically, the tax collecting division. Can you imagine if, if, if this happened? You know, one day, you know, the person running the HMRC, you know, God enters his life, he gets convicted, and he realizes that he's been overtaxing the whole nation and declares that, you know what, today the HMRC will give away half of his collections to the poor. Wow. Amen. And those of you who have uh, paid taxes, can you imagine receiving a letter like Zacchaeus? If I had cheated anyone, I'd pay back four times. Wow, I know some of, you are, some of you are already claiming it. Yes, Lord, we claim it in Jesus' name. You know, those of you who are not working, don't worry. You no, know, this word will come alive one day when you start working, and it will hit you. You know, tears will come out. You'll be like, "Oh, I get it now! Wow! You no, know, the word was so prophetic. Yes, Lord, I receive it too." Can you imagine, Toby? One day, you get a letter from HMRC, and it's not asking for more tax, but it's saying that not only have you overpaid your taxes, uh, we are so sorry for having you overpay your taxes. We're going to pay you four times back what you paid. Wow! Amen? That's good news. And so what God wanted us to know is that, look, when Zacchaeus was saved, not only was heaven celebrating, because the Bible says that when one person repents, the whole of heaven rejoices, but the whole city was rejoicing. Can you imagine? After he was saved, he gave half his possessions to the poor because he knew that he had, you know, taken more than what was due And not only that, he he went back uh, to do right by each person that he had taken from. And so can you imagine when one life is saved, not only was there spiritual restoration, there was financial restoration. There was, you know, judicial restoration. Because not only was there enough money to go around now, there was justice. Those that had been wrongfully picked on had It restored, not just restored, but restored with interest. So can you imagine one life saved and an entire city transformed? I'm going to say it one more time, one life saved and an entire city transformed. Can I speak that into all of us here? Not only is this the potential of Zacchaeus' transformed life, but this is the potential of our transformed life as well. You know, when God saved you, He didn't just save you and added one more to heaven. He saved you and one more city has the potential to be impacted. One more family has the potential to be impacted. Can you imagine the celebration? Not only was there heaven celebration, but there was celebration in Jericho that night because guess what? There was no poor family that night. There was no crying babies that night because there was not enough food. Why? Because Zacchaeus gave half his possessions away. Can you imagine if one of the richest people in the world, like the Amazon boss, Jeff Bezos, gives half of his possession away? Some of you are already starting to pray for his repentance. And so half, can you imagine that? I don't know how much he's worth, but let's say he's worth trillions. You know, can you imagine half of that? $500 $500 billion distributed to the poor, there's going to be so much laughter in that city. So this is God saying that, come on church, you're so afraid to witness, but do you see the outcome of witness? The outcome of one life saved, an entire city celebrates. People stop crying because justice finally comes. Or if they do cry, it's tears of joy. I can't believe it. Justice is finally served. God has answered my prayers. People will be praying that night. The poor would be going like, wow, there's enough to eat. Can you imagine that month, nobody had to worry about rent? Wow. Everyone was going like, how how are we going to pay for rent tomorrow? And then Zacchaeus comes knocking. Uh, Hey, here's rent for the next two months. Here's rent for the next six months. Why? Because I'm a changed man. I once chased after money, but now that i found Jesus, I don't need to chase after money anymore. Wow. This is the message that we have. This is what Christianity is about. It's not just about people gathering in a building. We have the potential of a message, the message of Jesus Christ. The gospel of the Lord changes lives and transforms cities. And this is one of those incidences where God put it in the Bible to remind us, look, this is what happens. Isn't it amazing? And as Christians, let us never, ever, ever forget that this is what we are about. Let's go back to verse 10. What did Jesus say? Jesus says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Zacchaeus was lost. He was hated and rejected by society. They called him a sinner, which at that time was like a spiritual swear word. Because you're not allowed to swear, because he sinned against God, so they came up with a spiritual servant by calling each other "you sinner." And so he was called a sinner, hated, rejected, thought he was lost. One encounter with Jesus, he was saved. This is what we're about. We're here to seek and save as Christians. We're here to seek and save. If our Lord and Savior is about seeking and saving, as His followers, we are about seeking and saving. Can you imagine? This is what Jesus came to do. The Son of Man came. When I read this, I'm, I'm humbled again. God, you came. You left the comfort of heaven. Heaven. And you came to earth. You had to be tied down to mortality. Can you imagine Jesus coming and having to experience things like hunger, sweat, pain, He who spoke the word into existence? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the Word of God, right? John says that in the beginning, there was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And so when he says that, let it be done, let, it, let there be light, it was God's Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit working in tandem. But can you imagine the Son came, left the majesty of heaven, the beauty of heaven, and came. And he had to be born. And he had to be fed. Why did he go through that humility? So that he can seek and save the lost. Can you imagine Jesus had to learn to walk again? Why did he have to do that? He learned to walk again so that he could walk out there and seek and save the lost. Think about it for a while. He who could walk on water learned to walk for our behalf for our salvation. He who spoke the Word into existence had to learn to speak so that we could hear the good news. This is what Jesus is about, friends. And as a church, we're going to fall in love with being a witness all over again. Amen? You know, recently when I was in Botswana, I was reminded of this again. The power of one transformed lives. Like I said, Botswana is a country of great potential, but with a complicated history. And please pray for, you know, Pastor Lazarus, because, you know, some of the counseling cases that he deals with is so much more advanced than what I had to deal with. Uh, and uh, so recently, I had a chance to talk to someone at camp. And this person had, you know, recently given his life to Jesus and he's transformed his way. He's, he's turning away from his old living. And he's saying that, you know, Pastor, uh, before this, uh, I I I lived a very messed up life, you know. I I was you know chasing money, and I was you no know, just treating women like playthings. And then he he said to me, in all honesty, no, Pastor, uh, uh, I have at least uh, uh, one child that I know of. I'll be like, oh wow, I've never heard anyone say that before. But okay, I have at least one child that I know of. Yeah, but that's my old life and now I want to start over a new life. And he started sharing with me that what he hopes to do. He said, you know, I I want to do right. There was a wrong lifestyle, but I want to do right. I might not have the right to go up to that person and go like, hey, marry me, but I'm going to support that child. I'm going to be there for that child. You know, I'm going to stop chasing money, but I want to be a good role model from now onwards, he says. I'll be like, wow, brother, share with me. He says, yeah, because, you know, in, in Africa, we, we, we are a fatherless generation. And, and I, you know, he said, I came from a family where I didn't know my father and I didn't realize that now I, if I didn't know Jesus, I would have just continued perpetuating that culture. But now that I know Jesus, I want to change this. I want to be a role model, not because I have made it, not because I am, Perfect, but because I have messed up, but Jesus can still use a messed up like me. And he started sharing me his his dreams to want to, you know, create an organization that would, you know, look out for young boys. Because many times there are programs for young girls and women empowerment, and that's good. But he says sometimes the boys are left behind. The the women are becoming superwomen but then the boys are left behind and I want to do stuff, maybe a, a program that you can gather other men and we can be older brothers to the younger boys and teach them and give them a good role model because he said that growing up in Africa in the black culture, we don't have a lot of good role models. Our role models, you know, he said, I used to look at the rap stars as role model because I was poor and they were rich. And they were successful and there are women around them and gold chains around them and Maseratis and sports cars. And I wanted to be like that, but now I, I found Jesus. I realized that's not a good role model. I'm like, wow, brother, preach it. He says, on the other hand, we, you know, even in, if it's not entertainment, then even in politics, we don't have good male role models because a lot of the politicians are you know, either dictators or, or, or you know dif- doing different things that... Don't leave a good legacy. So it's either power in any means necessary, kill if you have to, to be on top, or, you know, wrap your weight on top and money is king and women are things. But I want to be different. He asked me, Pastor, do you think that's possible? And I look to him and I go like, you know, brother, I just feel the prophetic spirit coming over me. I want to declare this word over you. You know, the world has repentance stories. But I declare that God will create within you a redemption story. Because repenting is one thing. Redemption is saying that, yes, I've messed up, but God has used my mess, I've overcome my mess, and now my mess becomes a message to help other people. That there is hope. Because the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Can I declare that over our church as well? Amen. This is our message as well. It's not the, the being a witness for Christ. It's not about going out there and condemning people. It's about being a witness to who Christ is and being a part of that redemption story. You know, Can, can would you? Do, do you feel like your heart's beating a bit faster now, church? Like you're falling in love witnessing again because now you see one life? Amen. Sometimes we, the lie of the enemy is this, that, that, oh no, if you only reach one person, that's not good enough. You're not going to reach thousands. No, one life. Jesus reached one life and that entire city was transformed. Can you imagine if we all reach one life? Amen. Don't underestimate the one life. You are that one life. You have it in you. The person sitting next to you is that one life. The person sitting next to you at work is that one life. The person that, your, your, your housemate who doesn't know Jesus is that one life. Amen. Your crossmate is that one life. Amen. Would we say, God, God, use me. Use me. God, I want to write redemption stories for your glory too. Amen. So I want to give us three, three ways uh, to be good witnesses. And these are all modeled out by Jesus. Now that we've seen the impact, the ripple effect of one life. Can you imagine if all of us go out there and reach one life? Wow, the ripple effect for this city. Wow, only one day in heaven we will know the full extent. Amen? Praise God. So I've got three points for you. For us to change our way, we got to maybe start doing it God's way. we got to start, you know, believing Uh, in the power of witnessing again. Maybe what's stopping you is that you're thinking, oh, what's one life? No, one life matters. Uh, But maybe what's stopping you is the next question, which is like, uh, you, you feel like you don't know enough. Which brings me to my first point. We're gonna, it's not about who you know. Sorry, it's not about what you know, it's who you know. Think about it for a while. How did Zacchaeus come to know Jesus? How did Zacchaeus come to know Jesus? Was it some deep theological discussion? Was some deep stuff happening there? No. He just met Jesus and Jesus said, hey, I want to I wanna eat with you. I want to hang out with you. He didn't go like, oh Jesus, you know I'm a rich person, you know. So, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've amassed a lot of wealth. I've seen a lot of things. I have uh, uh, many, many houses and women. And, and so, if you are truly the King of the Jews and the Lord of the universe, answer me these three riddles. No, he didn't say that. He just went like, I, uh, Hey, Zacchaeus, I want to eat with you. Okay. He didn't once ask, what did Jesus know? But the moment he met the who, which is Jesus, everything else doesn't matter anymore. And so we got to remember who we know. We know Jesus. And who who is He? He's Jesus. What is He about? He's about seeking and saving the lost. Which means that point number one, we got to start changing the way we live. Are we living for the purposes of God? You know, me and Pastor Kat say this sometimes, because yesterday at Bristol, some of the new students were, were saying that, oh, Pastor, it's been five weeks, five weeks since we've been in UK. i have been like, oh, that's awesome. And then, and then we, we joked, you know, among, among me and uh, Pastor Kat, I go like, wow, I think some of these students, you know, they're so blessed. They probably see more countries in the five weeks than we've seen in our five years here. Which really brings back to the question, what are we living for? Are we living for more holidays? A holiday doesn't satisfy. Are we living for more money? More money doesn't satisfy. What what did Jesus live for? He came to seek and save the lost. Would we make that our motto? Would we make that our purpose? The beautiful thing about knowing Jesus, you see, once you know who we serve, the what handles itself. What is the meaning of life? What should I do? No, No, it's about serving Jesus. And once I serve Him, I don't have to worry about the what because in serving Him, I discover the what. If it's about seeking and saving the lost, then I'm just going to seek and save the lost. I'm going to purpose my life. I'm going to live ready to serve, ready to share, ready to connect. I'm going to live a life that's like Jesus, so in one, so in unity with God the Father and the Holy Spirit that just one word, hey, I want to eat with you, changes the life of entire city. Amen, you know. And so we gotta ask ourselves again: What purpose am I living for? You know, recently, uh, like I said, I was in Botswana, but I was reminded again. You know, last year, because uh, it's my second time there. Last year, I had another time there, and uh, uh, and uh, maybe I'll share that story again some some someday. Uh, but it was a good trip, and uh, I was. Just getting ready. I was. I was just reminded as I was praying this message. I was just getting ready to go to church in Botswana in, in 2018, and uh, just sitting at the hotel lobby for a car to come and pick me up. Uh, when someone just walked past me and looked at me and go like, "Is that a Bible?" I'd be like, "Uh, yeah." Because you know, as a, as a Chinese person in, in Botswana, you really stand out. You know, I felt so special. I felt. I felt. I felt like I was a white person. Anyway, so uh, I was. I was there because no no other country looks at. Anyway, so. I was there and they go like, are you reading a Bible? I'd be like, yeah. And the person go like, can I have a look at the Bible? i go like, yeah, sure. And the person flipped it through and go like, this is a real Bible. i go like, yeah. Like, uh, what other Bible would you carry? Uh, and the person said, oh, wow. So tell me, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. You're a pastor? Yeah. So you speak and you preach and you, you lead the church. I said, yeah, well, I'm here to visit actually. I'm here to speak at one of our churches here. I'm actually based in UK. And the person goes like, wow. Wow, I, I, I feel that you're a man of God. Can you pray for me? I'll be like, yeah, sure, man. It's a lady. Uh, what do you want to pray? Like, what, what do you want me to pray for you about? And then she said, I'm, I'm actually working in the youth and sports ministry of this country. And we're actually in this hotel for a meeting. A cabinet meeting is about to take place. And we want to come up with ideas that will help the young people of this country? Would you pray for me so that when we go in, everything that we discuss will be a strategy that works? And I'm like, sure. But what was I doing? I was just, I wasn't chasing after government connections. I wasn't strategically putting myself in the hotel that I know the government will be having its meeting. I was just dedicating my life to live a life that is about seeking and saving the lost. I was just in Botswana to be a blessing and God opened a door to be a blessing to a nation. Never underestimate when you begin to dedicate yourself and go like, God, you've placed me here in the UK. Do you know you're blessed? Not everybody can be here. Not everybody gets to work in London. Not everybody gets to study in London. And yet we get to do it. And would you say to God, God, I'm not just here to graduate because anyone can graduate. Anyone can get a first class honor. I'm so sorry if that broke some bubbles of the students here. I'm so sorry if that was too precious. No, this is getting you ready for real life. If you get a first class honor, you won't be the first person to do it. You won't be the last person to do it. There's no history making involved. But when you live for Christ, there is history making involved. So we say to God, God, I have three more years left. I've got one more year left. God, I don't just want to live according to my own whim and fancy. I want to serve You. God, help me to live a life where I'm so connected that whether I'm on the tube, whether I'm on the bus, someone can see me and see something different about me because it's not about what I know. It's about who I know and who I spend time with. When you spend more time with the Holy Spirit, that overflow anointing shows Let's do it, church. Point number two. We're going to change the way we love. Change the way we live. Start living according to God's purpose. Change the way we love. Again, how was Zacchaeus saved? We like to think that, oh, pastor, I don't know how to be a good witness. You know, because every time I try to share the gospel, my friends just walk away. Or maybe what I tried to share because we bought into the lie right? Oh, every time you share the gospel, you must start with the four spiritual laws and you must end with them going like if you don't have Jesus in your life right now, you'll go to hell. And and, and throughout the modern world, Christianity is perceived as having one message. Turn or burn. Get it? Turn to Christ or you burn in hell. Who wants to be a witness? That's not our message. How did Jesus lived. Jesus go like, hey, Zacchaeus, you know, and it felt like almost he was singing like an old backstreet boy song. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, as long as you. Anyway, so, <laughs> but what he did was he just showed love. Zacchaeus was rich, but he was hated, and Jesus is. Look to Him with compassion. Look to Him with inclusion. Maybe if we had a little bit more compassion and inclusion in our lives, we will get to witness more people. Don't just eat with people who agree with you. Eat with people. (laughs) Amen? You know, that's what Jesus did. It wasn't some deep theological discussion that go on. He just go like, hey, Zacchaeus, I see the potential in you. The world might hate you, the world might call you names, but I'm not going to call you names. I'm calling you Zacchaeus. And I'm calling you to come out this tree. We got to hang Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus just go like, possibly for the first time in his life, he felt so included. He felt so loved. He felt the kindness of God. Could it be that your strategy this week It's not more knowledge but more kindness. For all you know, that's what your housemate needs a little bit more kindness, a little bit more compassion, a little bit more inclusion. We got to change the way we love. Amen. Sometimes in church we think that people got to behave before they're allowed to feel like they belong. Jesus made people belong and then they changed the way they behave. They changed. Jesus didn't have to go like, uh, so Zacchaeus, now that, um, now that I'm eating with you, we're going to talk about this tax issue. Alright, so uh, I, I know, Okay. I, I know where you're hiding your money. Do you know that Jesus didn't use that? You know, Jesus could have used some prophetic, because Jesus knows everything, right? He could have, in, induce some fear and go like, oh, Zacchaeus, you know, I know where you hide your money. It is behind the third pillow underneath your mother-in-law's bed because nobody will look there. I know how much exactly. I know how many $50 notes. I know how many coins. You're going to give it all away. But no, Jesus is dead. Let's eat. Let's hang. And that sense of belonging changed his behaviour. Point number three, let's change the way we lead. Immediately, you're giving me blank places. Huh? Lead. I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You know what I tell every parent? Uh, <laughs> in, in doing youth ministry, I meet a lot of parents. And parents always come to me, uh, Pastor, my son is loving your church. Oh, okay. Yeah, he says he goes to your church. Oh, okay. He goes to the evening service. Okay. In Bristol? No, in London. Oh, I'm thinking to myself, thank you for prophesying that we will have an evening service one day. But we don't. See, a lot of parents bring their kids in front of the pastor and go like, Pastor, I I came out, I really like your church. So I made a decision. My son will go to your church. So from now onwards, make him go what? Right? Make him go. Make him go. Come on, man. You made him. You made him go. Make, I make him. We, we can't. And, and, and so a lot of parents don't understand is that I'm not the first youth pastor of their child's life. I'm the second youth pastor. I'm the second campus pastor. The first pastor is them. Next time when you have kids, don't, don't bring your kids to Sunday school and go, ah, Sunday school teacher, make her believe. No, you believe because you are your child's first Sunday school teacher. And the one on Sunday is Sunday school teacher number two. You are the Sunday school teacher who's with your child six days. In fact, seven because the second Sunday school teacher only gets him or her for Sunday morning or Sunday evening we ever do Sunday evening church. And so a lot of people think that, oh, it's the pastor's job to lead. No, we lead. And the first thing we lead, the first people we lead is not even our children, it's ourselves. And so if you want to lead others to Christ, you got to lead yourself in a new way. You know we have this saying in church that Christians were not called to be thermometers. We're called to be thermostats. See, a thermometer reacts to the environment. Oh, it's raining today. I don't feel like going to church. Oh, my exam is coming up. Maybe I won't go to homes. Oh, this month's bill is a bit too much. Oh, I'm saving up to go to Switzerland. So maybe I won't tithe. That's all thermometer talk. But a thermostat talk will go like, you know what? Jesus is worth it. I got bills to pay, but I'm going to tithe anyway. You know, exam is coming up, but Jesus is still number one. You know, there's, there's, there's work and my boss is, is, is barking at me. But you know what? I serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the boss of bosses. So I'm going to go to the boss of bosses and trust that he will pacify my boss. You know what I'm saying? And so we got to change the way we lead because there's one unsung hero in this whole story. There was Jesus, there was Zacchaeus, and they were separated by the crowd. It's actually said that, that Zacchaeus wanted to go near but he couldn't because of the crowd. And I don't know what that crowd means in today's context. In back then, it was definitely a lot of people, but it wasn't just, you know, it was random people. People that were waiting to turn on both Zacchaeus and Jesus in an instant notice. The crowd, the noises in our lives, the popular opinion of the day. And so, between a lot of our friends and Jesus is the crowd, the noise, the popular opinion. But thank God for the sycamore tree. The unsung hero. I love the Gospel of Luke because Dr. Luke's very detailed. He's a doctor. He puts in everything. Not just any tree, sycamore tree. And because of sycamore tree, I got to Google sycamore tree, sycamore tree. And first I thought, oh, maybe I can preach, you know. Oh, let's be trees that help other people seek God more, sycamore. Anyway, but, but I realized, no, 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 no. That, that's, just, that's just a lame joke. But then I googled and I go like, oh, actually sycamore tree. Do you know that sycamore tree is known to be really strong? And it's found in many countries. In fact, in the UK. In, 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 during the research of this message, I discovered that there's a sycamore tree behind my house because the sycamore tree's seed is one seed but two little wings. You've probably seen them on the floor before. That's a sycamore tree seed. And so it's like, oh, there must be a sycamore tree around. Sycamore trees are known to be strong and steady. And that's why, even in the the British Isles, they are planted along the coastlines to act as windbreakers, to stop winds from 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 you know, tearing things apart. Because they are not easily tossed to and fro, not easily swayed. We need to change the way we lead. As Christians, the Bible calls us trees. And someone says that if we incline our ear to the Word of the Lord, we will become like trees planted besides, you know, still waters, you know, rivers of waters. The Bible talks in Isaiah that God will make us, He calls His saints, trees of righteousness. And so God wants us to be like sycamore trees, people that will help the Zacchaeus of our world reach Christ. And how Why was the sycamore tree there? Why was the sycamore tree strong enough for Zacchaeus to climb it because of his very nature, not easily swayed? So are you a Christian who is a thermometer or thermostat? Years ago, I met a pastor who used this interesting analogy. He says that, do you know that our friends who don't know Christ are always looking? We think that they're looking at Not the arguments and the intellectual stuff that's coming out. No, they're always looking. You know, it's like CSI. You know, where they zoom in. (whistles) Microscope level. And and, and this pastor explained to us when I was a student, do you know friends are looking at you with a a CSI camera? And they're not looking at the good stuff. They're looking, how do you respond to stress? (whistles) How do you respond to a heartache? How do you respond to failure? How do you respond to bad days? And we think that, oh, Sunday. Sundays, man. Sunday, hashtag blessed. Too blessed to be stressed, you know. And then we, 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 we Instagram our Sunday moments, hands lifted high, you know, prayer hands and all that. But that's not what it's about. It's about consistent living. A sycamore tree is not easily swayed. What does that mean? Consistent living. It's not just Sunday living, it's Monday to Sunday living. Are we consistent? It is in our consistencies, in our good days and our bad, when we feel like it and we don't feel like it, that God is glorified, that our friends are looking at the most. Another thing about sycamore tree is that it's very good for the environment. It absorbs a lot of CO2 gas and pumps out a lot of oxygen. And so the next question we're going to ask is this: As Christians, as trees, are we known as a breath of fresh air, or are we known as some of the most toxic people? Sometimes the things we say is so toxic. The way we handle crisis is so toxic. The way we handle group assignments is so toxic. Maybe we're going to change the way, the way we lead groups, the way we lead our lives and start showing consistency, start showing an attitude change because people are looking. And it was through Zacchaeus' interaction with the sycamore tree, through him climbing that sycamore tree. If this story did not have a sycamore tree, it might have a different outcome. There was a man named Zacchaeus. There was a crowd. He couldn't get to Jesus. The end. But because of the sycamore tree. Would you be a sycamore tree for Jesus? Would you be a tree that God can count on? So that other people through our lives, through their interactions with us, can begin to see Christ. And one word from God, one word from our Lord and Savior, changes them forever. Amen. It's not your public life that honors God. It's your private life that speaks volumes. Let's be consistent. Let's be God honoring. Amen. So I pray that with this message, we will be, you know, reminded. Maybe it's a revelation for some, but reminded that, no, God, I, so much good can come out of one life. How can I keep this good news to myself? God, help me to fall in love with you again. God, it's not about what I know, but who I know. Help me to fall in love with you again. Help me to change the way I live. God, I want to live for your purposes. I don't just want to live according to the latest trends and fads. I want to live for you. And in living for you, I don't have to worry about whether I'm missing out. Do you know that if you love God and you live for Him, you don't have to worry about being in the right company or the wrong company. Every company is the right company. Because God will make it the right company because He has a servant there that wants to glorify Him. Let's change the way we love. Let's stop expecting people to change the way they behave before allowing them to feel like they belong. Let's help them to belong and allow God to change the way they behave. And last but not least, change the way we lead. How we lead ourselves. How we lead conversations. How we lead solutions. I've written down a, a certain statement and I'll close with this. As I'm praying this message, I, I wrote down some stuff that, that we experience as Christians that sometimes if we're not careful, we can forget. And I hope that with this, we'll remember again truly what good news we have in us and how we must, we must share it. I wrote here, when we accept Christ, things that we forget. When we accept Christ, we become children of God. It doesn't matter if we came from broken family, a divorced family, or no family. The moment we accept Christ, we become children of the Most High God and we call Him Father. When we accept Christ, our bodies become the temple of God. Not a house of pain, of addiction, of depression, but our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. When we accept Christ, all of our sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, God has removed the iniquities from our lives. It's no longer about our past. It's about God's future. When we accept Christ we begin to experience the peace and love of God. Amen. When we accept Christ, we receive God's direction and purpose for our lives. No longer are we a nobody. We all have the potential to be a history maker. When we accept Christ, our lives are changed by God. We are no longer a circumstantial product of our upbringing. God has changed us. And has given us new life. When we accept Christ, we have the assurance of eternal life. Death and sickness has lost its sting. One day we will close our eyes and in a blink of an eye, we'll see Jesus again. When we accept Christ, we will become part of His church, a family of friends, serving out His purposes for His glory. I pray that we never forget the benefits, the blessings and let's share it. Let's be a witness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and I pray that Lord that we won't just be hearers of the word but we'll be doers. So God, right now we commit. Lord, help us to fall in love again with witnessing God, forgive us when we bought into the lie of the enemy, when we become too afraid, too ashamed. God, you went through all so that we can have the good news. How can we keep it to ourselves? But God, today we also learned that it's not hard. It's not difficult. For far too long, we felt like we are underprepared. But God, it's not about what we know. It's about who we know. And God, we know you. So God, because that we know you... Help us to change the way we live, the way we love, the way we lead our lives. Help us, Lord, to reach that one more for You. Within us is not only potential to reach a city, but within that one life, that one housemate, that one coursemate, is the potential to change the entire nation. Help us, Lord, to have the big picture in mind Help us to be excited about the good news again and the Great Commission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.